so they call me Tangent Thomas occasionally because I can go on a tangent so fast. Uh, but I remember, I remember being, it, there is a connection, I guess, to modern linguistics and linguistics and study of New Testament Greek. But I remember being at, uh, in a class with uh, a, a man named Robert L. Thomas uh, at the Master's Seminary. And uh, it was the life of Christ. And I'll never forget skipping over Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And another student, not me, I was comfortable in the back row, uh, raised his hand and said, are we going to talk about the Sermon on the Mount? And Bob said, no, it's not relevant to the church today. And uh, <clears throat> I posed a, a, a similar question to, to Ben years and years ago about what he would do with Ezekiel 40 through 48. And <laughs> I'm still waiting for the answer. But... Uh, uh, if you if you haven't by any chance read Robert L. Thomas's critique of modern linguistics, uh, I think that'd be a good place to start. You could find it at the Master Seminary Journal online, free, uh, where he discusses it. I think he's wrong. Uh, he's now with the Lord, uh, but uh, I'm thankful for people that challenge what other people say. I'm thankful for when someone like Stan stands up here and makes a comment about uh, a modern Greek grammar that looks a little different than his. Um, I'm thankful for the people that help us to think outside of the box. And perhaps that's the greatest benefit of modern linguistics when it comes to the field of New Testament studies is that we're now challenged to do more than just think about what words mean by looking them up in a dictionary or which really only gives you a gloss most of the time. And uh, there's, there's more to studying the New Testament. There's more to studying the Greek New Testament than just looking up words in a dictionary. And uh, so electronic tools. Uh, do me a favor, if you don't mind, um, and maybe turn to the person beside you and take maybe 15 seconds uh, or I'll go Bucky on you, and uh, I'll go all Winter Soldier uh, if you if you take too much longer. Uh, and um, just with the two or three people around you, just someone asked the question, "What do you think of uh, when you think of electronic tools in New Testament Greek or the Greek New Testament?" And uh, see what you come up with. All right, that's a, <laughs> you guys are very talkative. Woo! Okay, okay, okay. Ahora necesito hablar en español. Quizás si escuchas algo diferente me... Ah, ahora, ahora. Okay, 
so I'm just going to point to maybe a few people, and uh, you just tell me what you came up with. Yes. What'd you say? Okay, they're just helpful. Uh, okay, electronic tools are helpful. Yes. I'm curious what David Beck would would say. What? Mmm. Mmm. So Carl, uh, Carl Sanders, uh, who teaches at Capitol, has has was showing me the other day the the micro whatever the slides that they would use for for showing people different forms because they didn't want to spend all the time writing it out. I'm wondering if the professors really knew it, and they, but or maybe they just wanted to. Maybe it was just plugging it in. I don't know. I don't know. Um, maybe one more. Where's uh, someone else that's just dying? Yeah, you. Well, they, they only allow you to do with the data with the creator of the program. You're never in a situation with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The fact that you mentioned a program is interesting. All right. So that leads me to my first delimitation, and that is that. This can't be a commercial for Bible software. That's Morris, Proctor, uh, Morris Proctor's, uh, uh, Proctor's job for uh, Lagos Bible software, and it's the accordance. Uh, it's their responsibility on the accordance block. Um, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to do that uh, in, in in this presentation. Um, uh, with that said, everybody needs to have. Bible software and needs a program to to leverage technology for the sake of the gospel. And there are going to be some parts of this presentation where I'm going to I'm going to have some plugs. Uh, I think I think if we're still using paper, then we're probably not living in the world God wants us to be living in. Um, <clears throat> with that said, I'm using paper. <laughs> And I still carry my Greek New Testament with me everywhere I go. Uh, it was, uh, was sitting with uh, Rob Plummer at a, at a B&H uh, academic luncheon. I can't remember in what city it was. I think it was in it. it was, maybe, maybe this one was in San Antonio. And, and uh, he saw, this is a different Greek New Testament, uh, but he saw, Rob saw my Greek New Testament with me. He said, I just love seeing someone with a used Greek New Testament. It was falling apart and was taped up about like this one is. This one is uh, special to me because this one was given to me by David Allen Black, and it's a Greek Latin diglot, and uh, it's the one I've been choosing to carry for the, for, the, uh, recent, uh, for the recent past. But anyways, here we go. Technology changes so fast that a chapter on electronic tools in New Testament Greek is almost futile. The good news is that Greek grammars come out about as often, so there's ample opportunity for someone else to amplify whatever's discussed here and hopefully excise whatever becomes out of date and otherwise not useful. What follows uh, in this discussion is going to be uh, not an exhaustive list of materials, but is going to be uh, what I want to include. Um, so it's this is my decision on what to include with some annotation about content and how the tool can be used in the study of either New Testament Greek or in the study of the Greek New Testament. So I've decided to break it up into four categories, language acquisition, textual criticism, lexical analysis, and syntactical analysis. Four. Um, we're going to skip 
or try to skip somewhat over language acquisition, but remember, the context here is people who have one year of Greek, not 20 years of Greek behind them, okay? So maybe this is going to, maybe some of you are going to feel like I'm talking below you and or however you want to, but imagine you have one year of Greek if you're the Greek scholar, and if you only have one year of Greek, I'm talking right to you. And uh, here we go. Language acquisition. At the very least, to use Greek, what do you need? Basic proficiency? Yep. What does that mean? Foundational knowledge of the Greek, uh, I'd say vocabulary. Access to and a willingness to consult throughout your studies. One or more Greek grammars. More Greek grammars, the better. Uh, old and new. Uh, and an edition of the New Testament in Greek. So having a copy of a modern, everyone in here has a copy of a modern Greek edition, a uh, modern edition of the Greek New Testament, that is. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually going to encourage you to stop using your modern critical edition uh, in some ways. I know it sounds, I know, Bucky, right? But I am, but it's for a good reason. Uh, I think the reasons that exist uh, for a modern critical edition are not the same ones that existed in the uh, 16th, early 16th century when they began to be printed and published. And because of that, we might want to rethink why we use them. Their real value is where? The apparatus. Uh, so use them for the apparatuses and maybe explore what the world of electronic resources has to offer, like 16th century New Testament. New Testament's in Greek. New Testament's in Latin, et cetera, et cetera. All right. So students need to remember that there's more than one edition of the Greek New Testament. <clears throat> we don't need to be edition junkies. Uh, we need to recognize that there are more than one. Uh, Nestle Elan 28th edition is available via the United Bible Societies. Uh, uh, via the uh, Academic Bible and United Bible Society's 5th edition is also available at the same location. I gave you all the links that are in this presentation, with the exception of a few. Uh, so, and then I thought there was a video. Oh, my bad. Oh, there it is. So I just made a video instead, so you guys can just... Uh, if, you get, if you have vertigo, just be careful. There's some fast sliding to other pages and stuff, so just be careful. So you can download, uh, you, you, you can access the, the text of the Nestle Elan 28th edition, the United Bible Society's 5th edition. You can download a copy of the SBL, SBL Greek New Testament, which was edited by Mike Holmes. Keep in mind, the apparatus to the SBL Greek New Testament is going to be uh, different. Do you know Why? Because it's not dealing with manuscripts at all. What is it dealing with? Just other editions of the Greek New Testament and where divergence or uh, similarities uh, exist. You can download the SBL Greek New Testament on uh, the SBL site. You can also access it via Bible Gateway and a number of other places, such as Lagos Bible Software. Uh, Lagos, if you get uh, the, there's an advertisement up here for Lagos 8 Basic Academic. Did you see it? Okay, they give you the entire Greek New Testament tagged. If you don't have Lagos at all, you need to get it. It's free, and you get an, you get an entire uh, Greek New Testament, modern text, Greek New Testament, free, tagged. 
You get a Greek lexicon. You get uh, uh, lexem textual notes, which is comes up in the next section on textual criticism. You get a bunch of resources. Unfortunately, I wrote uh, Mark Ward over there and tried to nail down exactly what you get. They told me that they're going to finalize that in, I guess, this week. So I can't tell you. I, I thought I was going to break news, you know, and but I'm not. <laughs> okay. Um, so that's what the, the SBL Greek New Testament is just going to tell you where, where, where their text is in agreement or in disagreement with the readings found in Westcott Hort, the text behind the NIV, uh, the Goodrich text, uh, which came after the publication of the NIV, which is kind of, it sounds kind of crazy too, uh, and also the Robinson Pierpont edition. Uh, the Robinson Pierpont edition, by the way, is also available for free. Michael Palmer's done a great job as far as uh, updating uh, that online for everybody uh, so that it's searchable and accessible. You can find that. Uh, the 2018 edition is, uh, is right there on your handout. Uh, Crossway has recently come out with uh, a New Testament. Um, I'm not entirely sure how different it is. Uh, to be honest with you, but you can access it over at Crossway's webpage. Uh, the Greek New Testament produced at Tyndall House. Uh, be sure you use the original language tools. Um, I don't think I pulled that one up uh, for the video. Uh, look, let's skip some of the modern critical editions and just talk about the, uh, what about earlier editions. Okay. This is where I'm telling you to stop carrying your modern critical edition with you because you can access a copy of Erasmus's Greek Latin Diglot 15, you know the date, 15, 16, 15, 16. You can access it via Basel's, uh, the University of Basel uh, library website. And I highly recommend you do that. I'm gonna try and pull it up in a few minutes and you're gonna see how long it takes because the file is that large. But once you get it, you have it as a PDF and it's, incredibly high resolution. You can also do that with what's called the Complutensian uh, Greek New Testament, although it is also a Greek Latin New Testament, and that one takes even longer to download, but the content of that one is even more incredible. Do you know when the Complutensian Greek New Testament, Greek Latin New Testament, was printed? 1514. It was two years uh, prior to Erasmus's edition, and it's much more beautiful than Erasmus's edition, but you should take a look at that and just takes two seconds to realize that what they did in Spain was, in my opinion, infinitely larger than, uh, inf infinitely better than uh, what Erasmus did. <clears throat> uh, that takes care of that. Uh, when it comes to language acquisition, though, doing a refresher uh, through online tutorials of, beginning, of a beginning Greek grammar is probably not a bad place to start. Let me just give you, how many, just curious, because I'm just curious, that's all it is. I'm not trying to sell anything, I just really want to know. How many of you used mounts? Okay, how many of you used black? All right, and then the other ones, okay. All uh, right. <clears throat> No effect. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so if, if, you, if you used mounts, maybe you should, if you were going to do a refresher, maybe you should use black just to get something different. And maybe if you used black, if you were going to do a refresher, maybe you should use 
mounts. All right, if you want to just do a quick refresher, let me recommend there are three things you could do. One, you could use the biblical training videos that Mounts has put out. He has a nice backdrop. I think it's in Washington or Oregon somewhere. Looks beautiful. It's widescreen in format. I think it's $189. It's half that if, uh, if, if uh, you just want access to it for 365 days. If you are incarcerated, they are free. That's true. It says it on the website. I would not recommend getting incarcerated <clears throat> just, for, just for that. Uh, there's also David Allen Black's uh, uh, videos. He recorded teaching Greek in Addis Ababa, and I don't know if you know that, but you can see a, you can see a video of it somewhere. I think in one moment I'm going to show you some of it up there, but... If you haven't studied Greek with David Allen Black, uh, it's, it's, it's my favorite time of studying Greek. Uh, it's the most engaging professor that I ever had. And uh, you'll see it when you see him teach Greek. They're out of date in some ways. They're uh, a little older compared to the high resolution and HD quality that exists today. But uh, because of the... Because of the way he teaches, they get included here. They're $205. And then, of course, we have Rob Plummer. If you don't want to spend any money and you don't want to sacrifice anything on the, on the quality or the content, uh, Rob Plummer's Daily Dose of Greek. If you're not looking at Daily Dose of Greek on a daily basis or every other day, then you should and you need to. But there's also a tab up there that says Learn biblical Greek. It's deceiving because when it comes up, it looks like that's the only thing that's there. Scroll down and then you find a, a, a video, a, a tutorial using this incredible gadget that he has in his office to write and use different colors and all sorts of stuff. And it grabs his voice. Um, and it's free and you definitely need to look at it. Uh, it's priceless. Um, there's other things going on with the Daily Dose of Greek uh, website that you should be familiar with. Up here that popped up a little while ago was uh, the New Testament Greek portal. If you're not familiar with the New Testament Greek portal, you need to be because it's incredible. Um, uh, basically everything, with the exception of probably 10 things I'm going to talk about today, is found somewhere on there. Uh, so do me a favor and... Take a look at the uh, New Testament Greek portal. Uh, I don't want to talk about vocabulary. If, do you use Quizlet? All right. Do you still use it? Are you still learning vocab? All right. Let me just let me just make one observation about vocabulary. I think when we when we think about vocabulary, we're always thinking we're always tying it to a Greek grammar. Always. Uh, let me challenge you to think about learning vocabulary for New Testament Greek. Learning it without thinking about a Greek grammar. So one of the things you could, that you could do with Lagos is you could, you could create a, you, you could use what they have uh, called a word list and you can isolate all of the words that are found in any of their new, any of the Greek New Testament texts. You just select docs, you click new, you do something else, you scroll down and there's, there's something called Lagos wikis. If you, so you want a tutorial, it's not, 
right now. You go and find a tutorial, you type in Lagos, whatever you want to do, there's a tutorial. Am I right, Steve? Everything you want to do in Lagos, there's like incredible videos for. But why not learn Greek vocabulary by studying a New Testament letter? We do it with First John by the time you get to Greek 2 or Greek 3, but why not keep doing that as we're learning uh, New Testament Greek? Uh, one of the best ways for students to reinforce their grammar is by using something called a visual filter. Uh, if you want to quiz yourself on different grammar forms, you could, you could do that uh, inside of Lagos using, using a visual filter. For example, you set it up so that uh, it highlights, inside of the New Testament, highlights all of the, all of the imperfect uh, indicative uh, verbs with all of the aorist indicative verbs. And you know, chapter 7 in Dave's book is the one that causes all the trouble because that's when all the real irregularities start. Well, you do that, and instead of learning a paradigm, you actually learn through induction how to distinguish between a imperfect and imperfect and an aorist. What are you looking for when you're thinking about an imperfect or an aorist? What's the difference? You're looking for the, either the aoristic aspect morphine or the stem change. All right. So at the very least, you're able to move through a text and practice in ways that doesn't tie you to an exercise section at the end of a chapter in a, in a Greek grammar. You get to broaden the ways that you're studying uh, Greek grammar and you also can check yourself too, right? Because you just hover over the word and it tells you what the answer is. All right. So that's language acquisition. <laughs> There's so much more. Please go to the New Testament Greek portal. Go to the left, uh, left column and... There's so many. There's so many tools there uh, for that particular category that you won't run out of stuff if that's what you're looking uh, to do. Textual criticism. <clears throat> so, not surprisingly, uh, the focus of Greek grammars is on Greek grammar, right? And that's usually what the focus is when you're in a Greek class. The focus of your professor is what? Greek grammar. That explains how so many people who take Greek never learn anything about textual criticism because the focus has been on what? Grammar. It's not good, folks. The good news is there's numerous electronic resources to catch up on the subject. And see, look, I told you the backdrop. Did you see it? It looks incredible. I still, Dave, I still prefer the chalkboard in Addis Ababa over the backdrop wherever, wherever Bill Mounts is in those videos. <clears throat> Sometimes he's in his house, it looks like. So if you want to know what his house looks like. <clears throat> so there's numerous ways to catch up on the, on the subject of textual criticism. David Allen Black has got a few studies on the New Testament Greek portal. If you type, if you click on My Greek Tools, uh, one of those uh, happens to be textual criticism of the New Testament. gives you a nice introduction. Uh, another thing that I would point out is the Center for the Study of New Testament Manuscripts. Uh, if you go to the Center for the Study of New Testament Manuscripts, you look at the top, 
like there's like a little, I don't want to get too technical, so I'll just talk Southern. They've got a little, little buttons you can push at the top. <clears throat> you just you click the one that says iTunes. And iTunes, they have some podcasts that you can, that you can get. The first one's called the, ba- uh, the, the, they have some courses via podcast. And the first one's called The Basics of New Testament Textual Criticism. It's 15 videos. Uh, it's 15 videos. It's approximately two hours long. I know, man. I love those days. Uh, another course is called Scribal Methods and Materials. That's five videos. Another one's called Disputed New Testament Passages, uh, Textual Criticism Put into Practice, seven videos. I would have chosen Matthew 5.22 and whether Eke is included in the text, uh, but that's not one of the ones he discusses. Number four is Famous Manuscripts and the Stories Behind Them. When you're reading some of these uh, Greek grammars and some of these books, these old books on textual criticism, be sure you read the introductions because they have crazy stories about like certain individuals going to the Vatican Library and getting permission from the Pope to look at a manuscript. And uh, the Pope gave them permission to look at the manuscript, but the curator at the library didn't want him to look at it. So they sent people in with him. He couldn't take a pencil in and they're talking to him in Latin so he can't memorize anything. And uh, But famous manuscripts and the stories behind them. Pioneers of the trade, famous text critical scholars. There's, 11, there's an 11 video course on that one. And I think they have, I think Peter Gurry's one of the people that is included in number five. He is a pioneer. He is a pioneer. He's over at uh, Phoenix Seminary now. Uh, but Peter Gurry, you should, uh, that will come up to evangelical textual criticism in a second. Uh, look, the introductory videos are broad in the amount of content they covered, including why textual criticism exists, the difference between internal and external evidence, and how many variants there are in the New Testament. Another uh, two couple of resources that I point out is Robert Waltz's online encyclopedia for New Testament textual criticism. It was last updated over a decade ago. That's a lot of what you're going to encounter with resources that are free or open access is they get built and then they get the they get neglected. That's one of the hallmarks, really, of the New Testament Greek portal is that it's not being neglected at all, largely in part because of Doctor, uh, because of Dave Black's uh, interest in it, but also because of the research assistance for the New Testament chairs, such as Noah Kelly, who uh, keeps those updated uh, and doesn't allow dead links to go crazy, because that happens all the time when you have an online resource. Uh, Waltz's online encyclopedia is helpful for an introduction to all sorts of textual topics such as Byzantine priority. If you wanted to know what Byzantine priority is, he's got a a discussion on it. Uh, Some people might say a slanted, but everything is kind of slanted when you're evaluating things. Uh, The other one that I'd mention is Ralph Bruce Terry's Open Access Orientation to Textual Issues in the New Testament. Uh, That's called A Student's Guide to New Testament Textual Variants. Uh, His purpose was to provide those who had never studied Greek with an explanation for textual footnotes that are found in several several modern translations of the Bible. Listen, the fact that people in your churches don't know about textual criticism is evidence that they at least don't read the footnotes in their English translations. It's probably more so evidence that they're not even reading their English translations. But... If you can get people to talk about, if you can get people to read their, new, their, their Bible and you can get people to talk about Jesus Christ, you, you have done it all. You're like 
but those are the two hardest things to get people to do in local church ministry. Um, what uh, Ralph Bruce Terry put together is similar to Metzger's a textual commentary on the Greek New Testament. Uh, you can see a sample. I think I gave you the link for it for uh, Omanson's uh, 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 Omanson's text, uh, which is an adaptation of uh, a textual commentary on the Greek New Testament. And then we mentioned Lagos Eight Basic Academic. Remember, I told you that there was a Lexum, something called the Lexum Textual Notes on the Bible. Well, if you go to Lagos and you wanted to purchase it, I think it's twenty four ninety nine. But if you get Lagos eight academic free, even if you already have Lagos eight platinum or something, it's free. So that is a it's a really nice resource because not only do they talk about New Testament textual criticism, but they're also talking about something that is even less discussed in uh, in biblical philology, and that's Old Testament textual criticism, which I know very little about except what I've encountered in that. Um, I can't show you what Terry's text look like, looks like, but that's it, actually. Uh, then there's something that I'd like to point out. That's, uh, it's, it's by a, a guy named Wieland Wilker. Uh, it's called an online textual commentary on the Greek Gospels. Uh, the reality is there's nothing in print that even compares to what to what he's put together. Uh, I don't know what he does, but he's he's in Europe, and I think he's an engineer for some reason. Is that do you know? I think he's an engineer. But if you go to the website that I gave you, you will not find anything that's on par with what he's put together. It's incredible. It, the format looks a little goofy sometimes, perhaps, but the scholarship is. Excellent, and the way that it presents the the textual evidence is incredible. Um, you you may or may not agree with the conclusions he makes, but at least he gives you conclusions about how he's interpreting the data. Remember, I told you the need for a, a modern critical the uh, the need for a, for an edition of the Greek New Testament is different today than it was in uh, the 16th century. Remember me saying that. The need for it today is what? It, well, prior to electronic resources, it was so that you could have access to the data, the apparatus. Where are manuscripts different? How do you evaluate those? That was the real value in it. Now with resources like what, 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 what Wilker's put together, it's, I mean, you can access the data at least in part without even your modern critical edition. Uh, Look, the resources so far help you identify textual issues uh, that are present in the, New, in the New Testament, and they'll help you start thinking through the evidence as, uh, as well. What about actually viewing New Testament manuscripts? You know, there was a time when philologists had to spend exuberant amounts of money or travel great distances by ship. They had to get on four-legged creatures, and they had to endure Vatican Library curators that seemed uh, like Bucky and... That's not the case today. Anyone can look at these manuscripts. So via the New Testament virtual manuscript room, uh, has, has anyone, how many of you have been there before, like on the New Testament virtual manuscript room? And for the ones that haven't, now we know. You can go there. You're going to see it in a second, I think. This is, uh, this is Wilker's uh, web, uh, this is what his, his webpage looks like, and the commentary for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is, uh, it will pop up in a little bit. 
the New Testament virtual manuscript room. So I told you maybe, maybe we could stop walking around with our Greek New Testament, even though I walk around with mine. But what about we want people to look at their Greek New Testaments every single day, right? We want them to, we want them to be reading from their Greek New Testament every single day. Okay, here's an idea. Instead of, instead of looking, going to your dining room or your, your kitchen counter and flipping open your, your Greek New Testament, that looks, I mean, it looks not that exciting. Why not? Go to the New Testament virtual manuscript room, and why not click on Manuscript 2, which Erasmus used between 1514 and 1516 to put together his, at least the gospel part of his Greek New Testament. Why not? See, why, why, why don't we expand what types of resources we're looking at? I'm telling you, if you, if you go look at Manuscript 2, you're going to at least have more fun for a week or two and using your Greek New Testament. Then you can go to Manuscript 1, and then you can find some other manuscripts. Uh, you can look at Codex Sinaiticus. By the way, Codex Sinaiticus, Codex Vaticanus, you can access them even outside of the New Testament virtual manuscript room. You can go to the Vatican's uh, website, and they've got this huge digitation project, uh, digitization project. <sighs> And, uh, and see high-resolution images of those. The goal is we, we want to start engaging the New Testament text in a different way. And we want to start thinking about, in my, for me at least, I want us to start thinking about uh, the Greek New Testament outside of a paper grammar and, and start thinking about the things we want people to be able to do as they study the Greek New Testament. We want, we want you to be able to think about tense, voice, mood, person, number, gender, things like that. That's going to come up in syntactical analysis. But we also want you to be engaging the text and engaging manuscripts. And uh, there's, there's, there's no reason not to start doing that uh, now. Uh, some of you, after one year of Greek, maybe this wouldn't be too far of a stretch. But as you're going through the INTF, INTF page or the New Testament Virtual Manuscript Room, why not start just tagging what the content of a page you read is? Just where does it start and where does it end? Is it, it starts in Matthew 4, verse 2, and it ends in Matthew 4, verse 18. <clears throat> Be a huge help to the uh, database, but it also, in my opinion, be more fun than, <laughs> than looking at the Nestle Alon 28th edition or, or, or one of the other ones. So besides the sheer nostalgia of using one of the manuscripts Erasmus used between 1514 and 1516, when we, start to, when we start taking a look at the actual manuscripts, we can begin to imagine the birth of some textual issues. And this is the real reason I want you to look at it. We can start to imagine how if, if, a, if a word fell at the end of a justified paragraph, and then it's abbreviated, it doesn't have the, the, the last two or three letters are not included at the end because they didn't want to go over and they didn't carry it over to the other line. You can imagine a word like even eke. And I don't even think anyone's ever proposed this as a possibility for why eke is not included, but you could imagine a word like eke being left off if it's at the end of a line of a justified manuscript. Is that what happened? Probably not. Some people uh, probably just took the word off because they wanted Jesus to 
tell people never to get angry whatsoever. Um, but maybe he didn't say that. Maybe he actually did tell people just don't get angry if you don't have a really good reason. The need that existed for consulting a standardized Greek test for Greek text, for example, in the 16th century when the Spaniards and Erasmus published their Greek editions of the Greek New Testament are not the same today. The real value in the modern critical editions is their apparatuses. New Testament students today need to be exposed more and more to the manuscripts. Consulting Nestle Alon, UBS, and Robinson Pierpont as well uh, uh, really just is one step in evaluating textual issues. Let's switch over to lexical analysis real fast and uh, breeze through this. In a perfect world, I'd be able to point you to electronic versions of a Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament and other early Christian literature, third edition, uh, also known as BDAG. I'd be able to point you to the Exegetical Dictionary of the New Testament, EDNT. I'd be able to point you to the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament, TDNT. I'd be able to point you to uh, Lo Nida and some other things. I'd be able to point you to all these, but Unfortunately, the only way to get those is, is, is how? You have, to, you have to buy them. And you, you need a copy of BDAG, and you, you ought to have a copy of Low Nida. But let's assume that you're not going to go out as soon as you walk out before, uh, before dinner and go buy a copy of BDAG and Low Nida and all this other stuff. Let's imagine you're not going to do that and approach it that way. First year Greek. <clears throat> There are a number of resources in the public domain, but not everything out there is worth incorporating into your studies. Bible software is probably more important with lexical and syntactical analysis than with any other area of exegesis. The capacity of Lagos Bible software in accordance to synchronize data and filter searches, for example, saves time by allowing all your lexicons to open up in one location without having to search for entries. That... There's more to studying your Greek New Testament than doing word studies. Agreed? But that in and of itself justifies having a Bible software. Just so you don't have to go flipping through pages to find uh, your dictionary entries. I would pay $500 for that. Uh, But you also have to be studying your Greek New Testament in order to justify it. Okay. I can't imagine doing a word study in 2019 without the Bible word study feature in Lagos Bible software. The field of biblical studies is different and better because they exist, and they do a fine job on their blogs of explaining how their software functions and how to leverage it. Uh, Accordance has a blog, very helpful. Lagos uh, has multiple blogs, but I just point out the Lagos regular blog and then the Lagos academic blog. By the way, another amazing thing about Lagos that you get is what? A free book every single month. I mean, you just download the basic one, and by the end of the year, you've got how many extra books for free? I mean, you do the math. You're three years in seminary. You've got 36 books. That's a pretty good deal. Um, Lagos 8, I already told you you you, you have access to the SBL GNT directly. You have the Lexham textual notes. What else? What else? What else? You know, if you only have access to the free version, you're not going to be able to see how it opens up and, and shows you all sorts of information. But what you are going to be able to see is how seamless it can do it. 
And whether it's opening up just one resource, like I think the free one has uh, Souders 1917 Greek lexicon, if, whether it's one resource or it's 100 resources, it populates that information like that. Um, then it's your responsibility to think through it. Ask a 21st century uh, statistician if they want to go back to the days of manu manually entering uh, uh, data points. It's all SPSS and I think there are like two other ones that people use now. I don't even think they use SPSS anymore, but I'm not, I've never taken a statistics class again, so it doesn't matter. Um, look, the shortcoming of having a lexicon like Souders or a PDF copy, which you can also get on something like archive.org, of uh, Abbott Smith's manual Greek, uh, Greek, Greek lexicon of the New Testament, besides their datedness is they only provide you with glosses, and that's a huge shortcoming. They exchange the Greek word for receptor language equivalent, and sometimes uh, they provide you with a sample of equivalents with like meanings or a representation of the range of, a, of the word's meaning or different things that they do. But it's almost always just, here's the Greek word and here's, a, here's an English word that you can associate with that. But that's not really what dictionaries are supposed to do, honestly. Um, that's why Souders was called a pocket lexicon. You walk around with it. As you were trying to learn this, you had your pocket lexicon, but someone who's doing serious study in their Greek New Testament needs to, needs to get away from the dictionaries at the back of their Greek grammars, and they need to get away from uh, pocket dictionaries. Um, fortunately, lexicographers are changing the way they present lexical data. Uh, Lo Nida, for example, put together a dictionary that presented Greek words according to related categories called semantic domains instead of ordering them alphabetically. Think about the Greek word agapao in John 21, 15 through 17. Keep in mind there are 95 semantic domains in their dictionary. This word, noun and verb, are combined in their dictionary uh, is marked 2543. 25 corresponds to the domain attitudes and emotions. Uh, it also has a subdomain, which is love, affection, and compassion. Uh, 43 just indicates it's the 43rd word in that domain. So, all right. Lonida uh, also provides you with an actual definition. In that case, for agapao, it's to have, lo have love for someone or something based on sincere appreciation and high regard. You can agree or disagree with the definition, but these things get you uh, at a starting point for thinking through what a word means. Then you have to go analyze where it's found in the New Testament and where it's found even in non-biblical literature. Uh, have you ever heard someone draw the distinction between, between God's love and, 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 and human love or divine love and human love? We need to be really thankful for modern linguistics because uh, that's when the sounding alarm started to stop doing the crazy stuff with with words, uh, word studies. Unfortunately, someone like Ben Baxter, who uh, studied at McMaster Divinity School, fortunately, fortunately, he went through and showed how it's happening even in modern commentaries where the influence of modern linguistics and uh, the, the, uh, the, the sounding alarm that went out from Jim Barr and, 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 and D.A. Carson's, uh, uh, later D.A. Carson's exegetical fallacies where they identified all these word study fallacies they still continue in the commentaries. I mean, it's pretty scary that that stuff still happens. It's, it's not the, the church is not the called out ones, right? Because Ek and Kaleo, 
you know, when I'm on, when I'm in DC, I like to tell Greek students, you know, who would like to go to the national uh, to the to the national uh, history museum with me on the National Mall, and you know, they have the butterfly exhibit over there where you can you have to pay. It's the only thing on the National Mall you have to pay for. But I've never paid to see the butterflies. Just to clarify. Uh, but I always, I always encourage students to try going there and do their, do their uh, word study tricks with the butterfly experts because they have butterfly experts there and tell them, you know, I know you know what butterflies are, but I'm actually a linguist and I've been studying this and, you know, you know what a butterfly really is? It's a stick of butter and with wings, but no one's ever done it. And so... It's only a five-hour drive, but you have to be back tomorrow. They're not open tonight, so maybe plan a Monday trip. Um, look, consulting a resource like Nida, which presents data alongside some commentaries, can protect you, pr protect you from arriving at some of those incorrect in interpretations. There's one problem. You need a copy of Nida. Online, you can at least see the domains, and I gave you the link to that. Uh, there's, another, uh, there's another resource that's in, that's in Cordoba, Spain, uh, part of the semantic analysis research, research group, which I'm, which I'm a part of. Uh, uh, they're continuing their work on something called the Diccionario Griego Español del Nuevo Testamento. What time is it? We started the video late, didn't we? Is someone holding up an iPad when I'm supposed to stop? I thought that was happening. Oh, perfect. Because there's not much for syntactical analysis, and that's the problem. Um, look, the, diction the Diccionario Griego Español del Nuevo Testamento is a huge development. Uh, hopefully, on work on the online edition is going to continue and it's going to remain free. Uh, the entry for Agapao includes a general definition, sample glosses, three different semimes uh, with specific definitions pertaining to each, and corresponding verses in Greek and Spanish. You don't speak Spanish, so you're like, why do you tell me this? I don't... Look, it's, it's dangerous to tell someone to use Google Translate, but... When you go to the website, trust me, go to the website, copy the web address when you get to like Agapao, copy the web address, and then plug it into uh, Google Translate uh, just to see what's being done in Spain. It is a completely different concept for a dictionary, and uh, hopefully you'll benefit from that. I've given you some other resources for, for the DGE, the TLG, other things like that. Let me just make a couple of final comments about uh, syntactical analysis uh, really fast as we, as we finish up. Synta syntactical analysis is, is everything. We need to get beyond just looking at words and, and what words mean even on the sentence level. We need to start thinking about syntax more broadly. And that's why a conference on linguistics is, is so helpful because that's what linguistics really is trying to do is get people thinking about language in a bigger way and get people thinking about text in a broader way. Uh, and so that's good. Uh, the problem with syntactical analysis and electronic resources is it just kind of depends. You have to be a really creative person to, 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 to search. One of the things you want to learn how to do is uh, search using Google Books, uh, type in a commentary. You can search for anything, but search within particular books. Uh, you can find web pages devoted to journals like the Southeastern Theological Review or uh, Biblical and Ancient Greek Linguistics uh, Journal. New Testament Greek portal under uh, linguistics has an entire dis uh, section devoted to all sorts of sp specific studies uh, related to syntax. Um, but you have to be creative in how you search for them. 
Uh, Logos will help you. Accordance will help you. But, again, you have to have Logos, and I'm not entirely sure everybody's going to walk out and buy a copy. Let me just say this in conclusion. You have to decide where you invest your time and your energies. My own experience and the path I recommend for others is to learn Greek as you study the New Testament. Leverage the the resources available to you. Carry your Greek New Testament with you everywhere you go. Better yet, take a trip back in time and just start using Volume 5 of the Complutense and Polyglot or Erasmus' rushed attempt to outdo the Spaniards. (laughs) That's what it was. Read broadly... Read broadly, push yourself beyond the free resources on BibleGateway.com. Think past the glosses. Keep going back to your Greek grammars. More than identifying the tense, voice, mood of a verb, ask why a New Testament author used that one and be willing to figure out the meaning, what the meaning would have been had that author chosen something else. Learn about textual criticism. Look at the manuscripts for yourselves. Trust me, you're going, to look at, uh, you're going to enjoy looking at a Greek manuscript, especially one with some historical significance, more than you're going to enjoy looking at your modern critical edition. And as tempting as it is to have shelves and shelves of books, go digital. The New Testament student that lives in the world of nostalgia does himself no favors, does herself no favors as well. Living in the past, that is, doing New Testament studies with paper books alone is dangerous to your pursuit of knowledge. Today our tools are changing and the best students of of the New Testament are going to be those that change with it. Thank you.